I would say the first thing is know your numbers. And that goes for both. Know your blood pressure on the diabetes side, simple fasting blood sugar. You know, if you don't have any prior issues, that's all they're going to do. And if you're diabetic, like you're actually diabetic, know your A1C, which should be 6% or less, which shows that you are controlled. You know, because if you're taking blood pressure medication and it's still not controlled, then something else might need, might need to be done. You know, you might need to switch. And see, that's what turns a lot of people off. They're like, man, I'm taking this medicine, still not working. You know, and, and it's like the medical field have conditioned people to believe that, oh, this is a one-stop shop thing. And it's not a cookie cutter approach for everyone. Most people it's not. You know, you might try six before they find it, or they might find it the first time or the second time. So um, I think that once again, that just goes to that uninformedness of it might take a little while. So let people know that because otherwise they'll stop taking it. Like, ah, I'm not taking it. You know, it doesn't work. When right, you're right, it doesn't work. But why isn't it working? You know, you do have to communicate because we would have people in a dialysis unit and we would get questions all the time. Like, so when can I leave here? When can I stop coming here? And we're like, uh, never. <laughs> you know, like they didn't tell you that, you know, and the, the, the amount of people that would just come and the questions that they would ask, you know, just really, really started driving me to like, um, yeah, we need more education. We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University and class is in session. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Mr. Carl Bourne Jr. And I'm joined by my main man, Mr. Paulo Ching. Paul, say what's up to the people. What up to all the people? Beautiful people out there. You know, we always love to bring you guys special guests. Of course, this week is no exception. With that being said, very excited to talk to today's guest. We have another healthcare entrepreneur, another healthcare hero in the building. Um, let me go ahead without further ado. I want to go ahead and introduce the lovely Miss Ebony G, who was also uh, the founder, co-founder, excuse me, of Living with a Purpose. And Miss G, let me just say we're so grateful to have you. How you feeling? I'm good. How are y'all? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We're doing well. We're doing well. So we like to be respectful of your time. Let's go ahead. Let's hop right into it. Right off the bat, tell us, why did you choose to pursue the field of nursing? OMG, so it was not my first choice, <laughs> actually. My first choice was um, civil engineering. Uh, I love math. I'm a math and science girl. Don't I can write and all of that, but I don't prefer to research and all of that stuff. So I wanted to go for civil engineering, and I live in Baltimore, Maryland, and I was looking at going to Morgan State, you know, HBCU, big um, engineering program. Man, after high school, I did the, like, six-week summer thing. I was like, oh, y'all be here at, like, two in the morning till your assignments is done? Yeah, that's not my kind of life. Not my life at all. So for a while, I didn't know what to do, and I'm, I'm a Gemini, so I'm, I, I have like these two, two things going on with me. I bore very easily um, and I like a challenge. So I've done, I was a bank teller. I did a whole bunch of things. 
fast forward, I saw it ad in the paper. Yeah, it was 1999. I saw it in the paper for dialysis and I didn't know what that was. So I went to see what it was. It fascinated me. Uh, so I took the job. So I started as a tech. I became a nurse. Um, and that's how I got into nursing. I realized I, well, I've always been a natural caregiver um, and nurturer. And I realized, um, and I'm a relationships girl. So in dialysis, you spend three days a week, three, four, five hours sometimes with your patients. So it was like my thing. Like, yes, I get the, you know, you see the people, you build relationships, you know, their family, you tell on them, you know what I mean? You get them straight. It's all good. So I, I, I fell in love with it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, yo, honestly, shout out to all our nurses, first of all, and foremost. Um, and I hear you on the not wanting to be up until like two in the morning, because why? When you can go to sleep, why? Yeah, like, right. oh, you can just get it done at a decent time. Like, why are y'all fooling around? Like, I don't have time for that. People build differently, and I'll never understand why. Um, let's hop right into it. So let's talk a little bit about um, living with a purpose and the brand, right? Um, as a whole, you know, what was the general inspiration behind that? You know, did you just wake up one day and say, yo, like, this is the thing I got to do? Were there a series of events that led up to that moment? Talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, it started off as this is something I have to do. So living with a purpose started off as dialysis wellness, wanting to help people on dialysis live well and live better because um, there are still not a lot of resources for dialysis patients regarding like practical things that they can do, practical activities, like real life stuff. Like they give you that medical stuff. You know, you need to take this pill, you need to do this, can't eat cheese and, you know, stay away from the dark sodas. But it wasn't practical. You didn't tell them why. You know, and a lot of us need to know why, if we're really going to implement something in our lives, especially that somebody else is telling us to do that we don't really want to do, then why is needed? And I felt like they, they weren't being um, honored in that way. So that's originally how I started uh, with dialysis wellness. Then when I started, then what I started realizing is I am dialyzing generations of families. So I had grandma in 2002, and now I have aunt, uncle, niece, and nephew in 2008. And I realized that where's the education? You know, if they, if this family would have had the education that they needed, they might not be, they might not have went from bringing grandma and grandpa to now sitting in the chair themselves. So uh, I kind of switched my focus to kidney health because especially with our, our community and our population, I saw so many young, young black men and women, but particularly men who had no idea they even had high blood pressure. And by the time they realized it, it was too late it was too late. So I was like, you know what, let's focus on, um, you know, on kidney health. And then I went a step deeper, which is where I'm at now, which is if people do not have the time, they do not have the resources, they do not have the education, they cannot properly prioritize and plan, then they are not going to do the things that they need to do to stay out of the chair. And people see, you know, diabetes and hypertension as diseases. I see them as, this is 10 years of stress. <laughs> That's five years of overeating. This is 50 years of smoking. This is 10 years of plus of drinking. Like, that's what I see. I don't see the medical. I mean, I, I know it, but I don't see it. I see the real life, um, you know, cumulative things that they have done that equals up to where they are now. So that is my mission to teach people how to manage their time so that they can incorporate all of these great wellness things that they need to do 
into their personal lives so that they can just be healthy, age healthy, you know, run your business, run your life, do your thing and be able to enjoy what you're doing. I'm so glad we're having this conversation. I really am because this, this is definitely a, a big thing that, you know, we don't address in our community and, you know, it's crazy, but I remember a few years ago, I had a, a great aunt that lives out in Barbados. My family is from Barbados. And she, she had diabetes. And what ended up happening is she ended up, you know, getting gangrene on one of the legs. And of course, when that happens, you know, they talk to you about amputating it. And she was like, no, like that's not happening. Um, you know, God rest her soul you know, what happens, you know, once it starts to spread and things like that. And so it, it's one of those things when, if you're not educated about it and it's not in your face, you don't pay it any mind. You know, you don't think about, oh, that bag of Doritos you're eating all the time or, you know, the soda, the, the, the two liter that you stock up on every other week, you know, and all that stuff contributes to, mm-hmm. you know, that high blood pressure and, and, you know, the, the high blood sugar and stuff that, you know, play a factor in, in issues like diabetes. And so I love being able to have this discussion because I, we don't have it enough. Mm-mm. And I think that's why there, you know, there's so many deaths in our community due to high blood pressure and diabetes because we're not properly educated on it. And so, you know, I know that you as part of your brand and as part of your business, you've kind of taken on this this role to help educate people on you know preventative measures and and things of that sort as well so the question that I want to ask you you know just to kind of give people knowledge you know right out the gate as we're as we're starting in the interview is what would you say are and feel free to list more to it if you would like but what would you say are the top three preventative measures people need to take to avoid suffering from you know, these types of impairments such as diabetes and high blood pressure? I would say the first thing is know your numbers. And that goes for both. Know your blood pressure. Um, on the diabetes side, know your, you know, typically they just do a blood, a simple fasting blood sugar. You know, if you don't have any um, prior issues, that's all they're going to do. And if you're diabetic, like you're actually diabetic, know your A1C, which should be 6% or less, which shows that you are controlled. Um, so those, that's the first thing I would say is just know your numbers. You know, because if you're, if you're taking blood pressure medication and it's still not controlled, then something else might need, might need to be done. You know, you might need to switch and see, that's what turns a lot of people off. They're like, man, I'm taking this medicine, still not working, you know? And, and it's like, I think medical, the medical field have conditioned people to believe that, oh, this is a one-stop shop thing. And it's not a cookie cutter approach for everyone. Most people it's not you know, you might try six before they find it, or they might find it the first time or the second time. So um, I think that once again, that just goes to that uninformedness of it might take a little while. So let people know that because otherwise they'll stop taking it like, ah, I'm not taking it. You know, it doesn't work when right. You're right. It doesn't work. But why isn't it working? You know, you do have to communicate that. And, the, and likewise, the doctor should also let you know up front, like, this, you know, it might not work or it might. 
because we would have people in a dialysis unit and dialysis is pretty unless you had like a it's an acute injury which means like a short-term thing where your kidneys might kick back in but most people that come to us were not that way and we would get questions all the time like so when can i leave here when can i stop coming here and we're like uh, never <laughs> you know like they didn't tell you that you know and the, the the amount of people that would just come and the questions that they would ask you know just really really started driving me to like um, yeah, we need more education. Um, the second thing I would say is, is just get some habits that, that are healthy and that work for you. And that looks different for everybody. Like some people are like, I'm not giving up. I love my pizza twice a day or twice a, twice a week, or I love my soda. Uh, so I'm not saying stop even for people on dialysis who probably need to stop. I would never actually say stop. I mean, unless it was like a potassium thing, which could kill you. Um, but even that, it's like everything in moderation, right? Like you tell somebody to stop something, they're not going to stop. <laughs> you know, there's that, that FOMO, you know what I mean? I'm missing out on that orange juice or those French fries. So, you know, just cut back. You know, if you eat it twice a week, eat it once. If you eat it three times a week, maybe eat it once or twice. You know, just it, it's really just about cutting back and don't eat as much as you usually would. You eat large fry McDonald's and get a small. I remember when the sweet tea came out, and I man, I had a guy, he was stocking up on them sweet teas. I'm like, man, how many sweet teas you got in your refrigerator? Because you like got all of this weight on. He's like, I got like three. I'm like, can I just get one? <laughs> you know, can we just do one? Like, I don't work with you, but do one because now you can't breathe. So it's a problem. You know what I mean? So really, it's just, you know, it's the whole moderation thing. Like, even, you know, if you're going to drink, I don't care. I, I drink, but I'm not, like, excessive with it. You know, and everything in moderation. And the third thing I would say is, um, who's watching you? You know, the family dynamic is huge. And it, it that can depend on your age. Like, if you're the parent or the aunt or the uncle, you know, then you got younger people watching you. And if you're the younger person, then you still probably have either even younger people watching you. So the family dynamic, knowing your family history, knowing that, oh, yeah, I had an aunt that passed from, you know, kidney disease. Because a lot of times you don't really know if you're, a, if you're a kid, you know things happen, but you don't know the details. But it's really important to know your family history, to know if you're predispositioned or, you know, pre might be have some, you know, predeterminations about what's going on in your body. So know, know your history and, and family should talk about that stuff because it's, it's important. And it's really, it could be a life or death thing. And, you know, kind of on the back end of that, because you just mentioned, you know, families need to talk about some of these things. What, what have you found um, to be, there's more than one thing, let us know. Mm. But what have you found to be like, maybe one of the hardest things to convey to the masses um, when you're trying to educate people about this, that people just don't seem to be getting? <laughs> Uh, I would say the main thing that people don't get is that it can happen to them, which to me is, is like, I don't get it. You know what I mean? But I don't, you know, my mindset is different and I understand that, but people are like, Oh no, that was them. They did this and they did that. Not understanding. Like if you keep doing what you're doing in 20 years or 15 years, you're going to be that same age looking just like that. You know, now you're not, you know, now you're 30, 35, 40, 25, however old you are. And, you know, your body is still healthy enough to compensate for itself, but you keep beating it down, it's going to get to a point where it can't. So really, I would say that that is the number one when you just run into people who are like, that's not going to happen to me, you know, because right now you're young, you're active, you know, you, you 
15, no sleep and, you know, eating one meal a day and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Like, I, I mean, of course, yeah, you feel fine, but that's not, you know, that's just not the proper way to take care of your temple. So, you know, it's going to catch up to you. So I would say that is the, the number one thing. I want to ask you now for, this is more along the, the, the business aspect of things, but just for anyone who may be listening to the episode, you know, and, and their, their interest is peaked now, you know, and, and, and maybe this is a, a field that they have wanted to kind of go into, you know, or specialize into. What does that look like from a standpoint of being able to get into this niche? Like, is there a, is there a certification that people need? Are there like specific courses that they should be going to going through? Like, what would be your recommendations as far as being able to get into into this specific niche? Um, and you're talking about the dialysis space, or yeah, yeah, for for the so, dialysis. So to be a dialysis tech, there is a tra- it's a like a three month training process. And now nowadays they 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 even have like independent um, I guess healthcare schools. Whereas in when I first started, it was just like the dialysis units gave the you know you got hired through them. You gave they gave you the training. Um, you you precept with you know someone who was more experienced for that same amount of time, and then you have to take a test you know, and then you eventually work on being on your own. But now there are are like independent healthcare schools that also teach it, um, which I think is a good thing because you get to come in with the experience. Um, Because I know a lot of people, it just wasn't, it wasn't for everyone. You know, like I would say (laughs) three out of five people didn't make it (laughs) through the, you know, if they made it through the training, they didn't stay because it definitely was not for everybody. It's super fast paced. Like I worked three 15 hour days. Now I loved it because I only worked Monday, Wednesday, Friday for like 12 years. It was awesome. Um, And like I said, I just fell in love with it, but it's not for everyone, but there, those are the main two ways right now that you can get into the field. And it's really being, even being a Dallas tech, like I said, that's how I started. And it's a, it's a career. Like it's something that you can, that you can do. And I mean, I know plenty of people that that's all they've done, you know, it's, it's still even to this day working units and it's a specialty. So it's definitely, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a very skilled, you know, area of healthcare. I want to ask it. I want to ask a question rather. That's crazy. I just asked myself the question. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's real. Shout out to all the listeners. <laughs> I asked myself a question that I thought I was asking you out loud. Um, but I want to ask you a question based on kind of like the business side of this and how mm-hmm. it works. Mm-hmm. The reason why I'm asking is because, you know, I co-own a physical therapy clinic and we just have a no insurance rule at my clinic. Like we just, we're not doing that um, for, for various reasons. But, you know, from the business side of that, if somebody's thinking like, okay, I, I want to get into this space of healthcare mm-hmm. and I want to do that. Like, what are some things that they probably need? I mean, besides, besides being certified, you know, doing all the right things, what are some other things they need to think about? Could it be startup costs? Could it be how to find patients, how to network with other people? What do they need to do so that they can, at least have the, you know, the blueprint um, to be successful? I think the first thing would be is to think about, yeah, who is your market and how are they going to pay you? You know, realizing that it's not going to be the patient, you know, because a lot of them are, you know, Medicaid, Medicare, you know, disabled, whatever the case may be. So it's not going to be them. 
So finding dialysis units and um, hospitals and, you know, probably wellness centers are going to be who you're going to partner with. You know, those will be the, the businesses that will pay you to then educate their population. Um, so typically um, that's, you know, that's how it goes. And dialysis units will also tell you because yeah, technically, you know, the people like people, I say us, like when I used to work there, like we had educational things that we were supposed to give, you know, and go over with, with the patients, which we did, but the education is not sufficient because um, of the time factor, you know, there's just not enough time to sit with each patient and give them what they need because what they need isn't all the same. It's not like I can say, Ms. Jones, this is what you need to know. Moving on. Mr. Smith, this is what you need to know. Moving on. Mr. Robinson is all different, you know, because Ms. Smith might pick up her grandkids from daycare when she get off the machine. Mr. Smith might go out with his friends, you know, and go to brunch. And then you might have Mr. Jones that just goes home and goes to sleep. So very different um, educational needs because it's, they're very different people. Um, so, and there was a study that came out, the American Kidney Fund did a study and time was like the number one barrier um, that patients and health, the healthcare professionals in dialysis said that was the issue is that they did not have the time to do the education, you know, like they really needed to. Uh, it was a, it's a huge barrier. It's a huge barrier. But those units, because they have so many people in them, you figure you have all of these techs, you have all of these nurses, you have social work, you have dietitians, you have nurse practitioners, you have the medical director. They're not always the most willing to pay because they feel like technically we're paying all these people, you know, in here. So really finding that, um, that pain point is going to be important. I want to, I want to ask now, just kind of highlighting you, you know, some more um, I know there's a couple different things that you do. I know one of the things uh, that is composed of your brand is being able to provide the workshops. So mm -hmm. I want to ask you, you know, for anyone listening, and let's say they're interested in, in coming to a workshop, they're interested in being able to attend. Um, talk to us a little bit about what that looks like to attend a a workshop sponsored by you and, and what are, you know, some of the things that they can expect to be able to take away from that once they leave. So currently I have, um, I actually have two free workshops available, um, that, that people can sign up for. The first one is a time management. Like I said, I'm big, big, big on, um, time management organization and prioritization, but in order to get to priorities and organization, if your time is just, a mess, you're never going to get there. So um, I taught a class on time management. I actually kept it free along with the workbook that I um, created because I think it's important for people. That's like, to me, that's step zero. You know, that's not even in, I mean, I can teach that to you, but if you could, if I could teach that to you before you ever work with me, then that is what's more important to me because then my time with you is going to be, you know, more valuable and going to be higher quality because you can implement better. I don't want to have to teach you time management. You know, we can go over it, make it, make sure it's, 
you know, it, you have the time and you know how to maneuver because it's not enough just to say, oh yeah, I know how to spend my time. How do you spend your time when you had that unexpected thing happen? Or how are you doing your time if you are scheduling yourself four to five, five to six and six to seven? Like that's not going to work. You know, it's never going to, and people say, I'll take stuff away to do more. And I'm like, yeah, it's really a thing. It works. <laughs> it works. So um, I have a free time management class and, um, and then I have a class called Planning Leaks and it's three top planning, planning leaks that mess everybody up every week. Um, and in that class, I teach um, what I call, and I don't really hear a lot of other people teaching it, but they're called supplementary tasks. So there are tasks that you have to do like, you know, so for instance, y'all have a podcast, I have a podcast. So you will understand this, this analogy. You can't just say, I have an hour in my schedule. I'm going to do the podcast. Like, first of all, do, what does that mean? You know, you can say do, but it's 15, 20, depending on how you do your podcast, different sub steps in doing a podcast. So if you're not properly planning for that, if you don't already have your graphics done, if your show notes are not already written, if you do not, if you're not well-versed in, you know, editing and all of that kind of stuff, then that one hour is not sufficient. You know, it's not sufficient. And that's what messes up a lot of people is not planning properly. You know, you say, oh, I want to do this, this, and this, but you're not accounting all of the steps that it takes to do this, this, and this. And so every week you're leaving your week with stuff not done. Uh, and what I find is that that messes with people's inner, you know, that starts to shake their trust in themselves. That starts to create fear and doubt that they cannot accomplish things. When that is not the case necessarily, you just have to change you know, how you're planning and you have to shift what you're doing. So um, that class is also um, free with the workbook because I believe in, um, you know, to me, that's not the work. I can teach that to you, but the work is teaching you how to implement it in your life. You know, and everybody's life is different. So um, my main class coming up is, um, it's a call. So I call, um, my people, the timekeepers and wellness seekers, because um, time and wellness and business and life go together. And so, you know, those are like pre things. Yeah, we talk about it, but, and most people probably can't even figure it out for themselves if they really have issues, which is what I'm finding. People are like, I can look at that, but I still need your help. <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I'm finding now, which is cool, but at least you've had an introduction, you know, to what you need to do. Because a lot of times this stuff is foreign to people, just like, you know, physical therapy is foreign to me. You know, I could not just jump in and be like, oh yeah, let's do, I don't know. You know, I don't know what to do. So, you know, you, you have to have that experience and, you know, everything in life that you have to learn and do for yourself is an experience in practice and consistency and frequency. So that's what, um, that's what you learn when you, when you work with me. Listen, you're speaking nothing but facts. <laughs> I promise you, like, this thing right here, this is my is the passion planner. Yeah, oh, I love holding near and dear. The 2021 with the spiral. <laughs> what? And I don't. I don't have such fancy things. But uh, <laughs> uh, for the listeners, it's my 2021 though. There we this go. <laughs> for the listeners who are just listening, we're just holding up our passion planners. Um, we're not sponsored by them, but go get yours. Right, um, go get it. <laughs> Go get it. Just Google Passion Planner. But, um, you know, what you're speaking about is, is so true, just simply because, like, that's something Carl and I have experienced and we've come to know. Like, 
it's not just we hop on and we do the podcast for an hour and that's it. We have a team. We have things that come to it. We have, you know, our notes that we have to write up. We have our post-production stuff. We have the videos that had to be put up. Like there's so much to it. And so like putting, you know, and record, we record a bunch of episodes in a week, but it's like just recording one honestly takes like three, four, five hours of work to produce it in its totality. Right. Um, that's why I 100% agree. Usually, you know, at the beginning of the week, I like to um, plan out my week. And I have like three sections, the priorities, the mm-hmm. need to do, and then the probably should do stuff. The probably should do stuff never gets done. Right. Um, the need to do stuff gets done after all my priorities are finished. And I have like little blocks. But no, I just say that to say that like what you're saying is 100% correct. Because um, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship, if you cannot control your time, you cannot control anything else. Your time is going to control you. And then, you know, you start asking yourselves, how do these people that have the same amount of time as me do all this? Yeah. Well, it's because they've been able to discipline themselves. And, you know, in that aspect, I want to ask this question. Um, when it comes to personal discipline mm-hmm. with everything that you're doing, mm-hmm. all the classes that you're teaching, all the patients that you see, right? What would you say are like, maybe let's call them your pillars, right? I don't know what you call them, but let's call them like, what are your top pillars where these are the things that you abide your life by that allow you to continue to be successful and you don't end up in that overwhelmed stage? I would say my morning routine, (laughs) my morning routine. I was a mess before it, (laughs) an absolute mess. Um, And, and now I make sure like I get up first thing I do in the morning, like I don't turn the TV on, I don't look at my phone as I do my, um, my devotionals. And I'm actually in a Bible study class that I've been wanting to do for like 15 years and I'm actually doing it. So I do that first, you know, I do all of that stuff. I meditate first thing because if I do not meditate in the morning, um, it's just, you know, I'm not right. I have to meditate at least once a day. And like lately I have fell off because I've been, you know, kind of busy and I, and I felt it. So like all of this week, I put extra emphasis. So I've been meditating at least an hour. Usually I do at least 30 minutes, but this week has been an hour because I had to get my body back, you know, to that, to that center. Cause I'm one of them people, I wake up hype. I don't know why. Like I wake up like, Oh, I got, Ooh, 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 Ooh. And I'm like, so I have to like, wake up, bring myself down to come back up. It's, it's weird. But, um, but you also have to know you, you know, like I tell people your morning routine might not work for me. Mine might not work for you. Uh, but what started me off was the book, the miracle morning awesome book. And that's what I started my structure with. So I get up, you know, I do all of that stuff, drink my tea. Um, and then that, you know, just glides me into the day and it gives me extra, you know, two, three extra hours in the morning to do what I need to do so that I'm not rushing through my day. I don't like to feel like I'm running from thing to thing to thing. Cause then I'm cloudy, you know, I'm not clear. I'm not operating, um, at my highest self. So I would have to say my morning routine. And lately I've been incorporating an evening routine um, as well. Cause like I said, I'm rah, rah, rah. So I can be sleepy. It's all outdoors. And when I lay down, I'm looking at the nanny or golden girls or <laughs> whatever is on. Cause I'm, I'm wide awake. That stuff, you know, mine is racing. So I have a dump journal in my um, nightstand. Cause I would just get up like, Oh, I forgot. I forgot something. Or I have a, a thought. And then I get my phone to put it in. And then, you know what happens when you get your phone, you know, you see all the stuff, you start scrolling. So I'm like, I just, I don't look at my phone after 10. Um, so, and I, sometimes I have tea at night and I'm, I'm, I'm learning my night routine so far. It's a candle. I do tea sometimes. I don't really need it. Um, but for me, it is no, no phone. And I listen to meditation music at night. 
uh, some kind of deep delta wave something. I have an Apple playlist. <laughs> so for me, my morning and evening routine keep me able to do what I need to do. In addition to working out every day for at least 30 minutes, that too, because I have to keep my energy up. Otherwise, I'm just like sleepy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I want to I want to backtrack just a little bit, but still staying in the, in the realm of um, what you do. So talk to us now, you know, you mentioned it. And so I'm sure the listeners are probably wondering as well, you know, you say you're a podcaster as well. So talk to us about the Kidney Connection podcast. And um, for anyone who wants to head over and check that out, please head over and check that out, guys. Um, you know, just tell them a little bit about what they can expect to get from listening to the podcast. So the Kidney Connection is is just that. It is, so um, like I've been saying this whole time, uh, everything is connected and your body is a system. So if one system is thrown off, you know, if you don't regulate or balance that, then all your other systems are affected. And your kidneys are, you know, a huge system. You only have two systems of your body that get rid of waste, you know, your kidneys and your liver. Um, but your kidneys are, they're a huge part. You know, some people, if your kidneys do not work, you do not urinate. So that stays inside of you until the machine takes it out. Like it's a, it's a thing that you don't, you know, you just really don't want to go through if you don't have to. So like I said earlier, I come from a realistic life standpoint. So I talk about, yeah, I talk about stroke prevention and hypertension prevention, but I also talk about dancing as a way to get activity. Some people don't really like to work out, you know, some people get bored with it. I get bored with it too. That's why I have like a ton of different things that I do, but I talk about meditation a lot because you know, I believe in it and it helps with stress management. It helps with, you know, overwhelm. It helps with a lot of things. I talk about yoga. Yoga yoga uh, massages your organs. It's good for for uh, getting getting your things moving in your body for the circulation. So I talk about a lot of different, like I said, it's not medical. It's just real life practical things that you can do. Um, if you're on dialysis, I have like a modality series. And modalities is... You have hemodialysis where you get needles in your arm or, or it's a catheter that they put in you, but you shouldn't keep that. Um, but you can also do something called peritoneal dialysis where you have a tube in your abdomen or they have overnight um, where you actually go to a clinic and you sleep there and get your dialysis overnight. So a lot of different options now. So, you know, it's really a mix of education, information, and um, how I typically do my podcast is three points and an action step because I'm big on now you listened, what are you going to do? <laughs> you listen to this, what are you going to do? I talked about this, what are you going to do? And it's usually one thing that you can do now that can, you know, you, you implement it and you can make a change now. So, you know, you won't find typical medical talk. It is real life application practical things that you can actually do i love that and i love the practicality of it all um especially listen i'm a fan of things that just teach you straight to it like this is the stuff you can take and go and apply so here's this in your in the totality of your journey mm-hmm. what would you say has been the most pivotal moment for you that has allowed you to like be where you are, you know, in like, just, do you know what I mean by that? 
Mm-hmm. Like what, what, what can you identify what that moment was? Cause I think it's very important for people to like be able to hear that as well. And just mm-hmm. be like, that was a switch for her that got her to like, just be here today. So the switch for me happened about five years ago. So my son is 10, he'll be 11 in February. And um, like five years ago, I realized that although I am grateful for everything, my son, my husband, work, all of that, you know, everything. But I started feeling stuck. I started feeling like I was stuck in a life that I built for myself. You know what I mean? Because everything, I was like the house manager. So my husband, uh, my father-in-law owns a construction company. So, you know, small business, family-owned business. So he's never off, right? Work in D.C. I live in, we live in Baltimore. You work in D.C., work in Virginia. You know, I had, we have a young son. Um, and I, everything went through me. You know, everything, bedtime, meals, all of that stuff. And I was like, uh, I couldn't even tell you what I like to do. Like, I couldn't even tell you, like, what I enjoyed. I used to like going to the mall. I used to go to Nordstrom's every Tuesday at 10 o'clock when they opened because all the shelves were clean and fresh and I can just shop because wasn't nobody there. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it got to a point where it was like, I, I didn't know what I enjoyed anymore. I could not tell you. Didn't do anything. I felt like I didn't have time to, you know, with homework and me trying to start a business. And that was pivotal to me because I was like, I don't want to live like this anymore. And, uh, and I realized I didn't have to, I think so many times we get caught up in situations of our own making and create creation. And we're like, well, I made a bid. I got to lie in it. And to a certain extent, that's true, but that don't mean you have to stay in it. (laughs) Yeah. You might have to sleep in it every night, but you can get up, make that bid up and go do something different so that when you come back to it, it's not the same. And um, I think that's what I had to realize for myself was that I don't have to stay here. You know, people always say they're, they're stuck and that stuck is a, that feeling of being stuck is so real, but being stuck is not, you know, and I think people get stuck in being stuck because you don't know what to do. And I think in action is really what makes you stuck because once you start moving, what what's aligned for you will come you know can meet you but you have to move for it to come you know you're not going to find it sitting on that sitting on the side of the bed and so um so that's what I, I did and I started going to therapy regularly because I realized that I couldn't do it by myself you know what the same I felt like the same you know, go hard. I'm a planner. I do all of this stuff and it's great. It helped me be successful. But what I needed to get out of that place and move to a different level was something different. And I didn't know what that was. And that was the other element of me being stuck because I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to do it. And I was like, I need help. You know, I need help to, I need to unwind this (laughs) so that I can think and move forward. So I would have to say that that time was, was pivotal. So, and I'm, I'm one, I don't ask for help from anyone. I mean, I can have a handful of groceries about the drop stuff. I'd rather drop it before I ask somebody to help me. And so, um, I think really just being vulnerable and being honest with myself, like, yeah, this is what you need to do. And it's all right to do that. And it's all right to do something not at a hundred percent. Cause, because I feel like driven people, like my, when my therapist told me to do something on purpose at 20%, that hurt. I was like, what? You want me to purposely underachieve? Like, I don't do that. You know, it was like, it was offensive. Like I was offended in the beginning. She was like, write it down. I'm like, I don't write it down, but I ain't doing that. Cause that's offensive. But I had to really let it soak in. 
Like, now nah, you have to do that because when I me, mean, I'm black or white, I'm hot or cold, I'm gonna go hard at it, or if I don't feel like I can go hard at it, I'm not doing it. And you know, that doesn't all, like that served me before, but it wasn't serving me in my current space. So I had to realize that. And, you know, and change is hard. And sometimes it's scary because you don't know where to go. Is it going to work? What is it going to look like? But I would say you just have, you have to do it. If you want something different, you have to do something different. And that's what I kept telling myself. Those two things. If you want something different, you have to do something different. And the second thing is the only constant in life is change. So I just stuck to those principles and I, I read a lot of books. I read the Atomic Habits. That was an awesome book. Like I still refer to that book to this day. Um, and, and that's what was pivotal for me. You just made me realize that I need to add that book to my reading list. I was with a friend earlier today and they had that same exact book. And I was like, huh, this looks interesting. And now here you are. That book, that book is awesome. I read it twice. It's it's one of those annual reads, you know what I mean? Like one of those books where it's like, oh, let me go back and because you know we learn in layers. So it's like what I got from it last year, now I have grown. So I'm gonna get something different from it this year, like guaranteed. Cause I'm I'm not the same person I was when I read it the last time. So yeah, it's an annual read for sure. So this and this will be be my my last question for you so for anyone who is listening and let's say let's say they're a nurse and they're interested into going into entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and they're interested in going the route that you went um or for anyone you know who is interested in in going the route that you went and essentially being able to you know, make a consultation, a consulting type business and uh, format in the niche of uh, dialysis and, 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 you know, patients that deal with, um, you know, diseases or impairments such as diabetes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What would you say are, are the top things that they need to do in order to get their business up and running? or to be able to monetize from that standpoint, from this standpoint? Um, I would say do your research first. When I started, I did not. (laughs) I just was kind of like, you know, once again, I'm like, it's not too many things that I've ever failed at trying to do. I used to be a real estate agent. I'm like, ah, you know, I can do this. And not that I couldn't, but I um, could have shaved some years off had I done my due diligence and research first. So I would say first, no um you know who where you're targeting specifically because even within healthcare there's so many different ways you can go um so knowing who you want to target where are they you know knowing who who's a decision maker and i would say get a coach and get a healthcare coach um because you find a lot of people especially now you know everybody's a business coach 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 but um healthcare is a different beast it's just different you know what i mean you in and Although, yeah, somebody who does IT might be able to help you, but not as not as well as someone who is doing what you're doing, what you want to do or has done what you wanted to do and can get you into the rooms that you need to be in with the CEOs and the CFOs and the CNOs that you need to talk to. You know, that's that's where you need to be. Uh, So I would say those two things. Do your research and get a coach in your in it in your niche, I would say, you know, it doesn't have to be your, you know, your super niche niche, but in your general niche. 
Perfect, perfect. So, um, man, this was this was awesome. Seriously, this yes, was. I enjoyed. Look, we did passion planners. We speakers. Right, we talking about books. <laughs> right, like. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely got to talk more after we um when we're done recording. Yeah. But um, no, seriously, you know, we we appreciate you coming on. And uh, it's just been such a pleasure. Uh, before we let you go, though, for anyone who is tuned in and they want to know, you know, how can I get in contact with her? How can I reach out? What would be some contact information or some social media information that you want to leave with them? Um, you can see mostly everything um, that I have done or have to offer on Twitter. My Twitter is at LWAP Consulting. Um, and then I have a ton of free resources. It's the um, the podcast, show notes, all of that good stuff is on my website, which is www.lwapllc.com. And to our listeners, clearly y'all know what time it is, but I'll say it again because I need to every day. Um, listen, y'all got to text us. And here's why. First of all, we'll start with the t-shirts. I have the black one on. Carl has a white one on. You see, we're repping. We're off the clock. That's what we do here. Um, the number is 321-384-6275. Text the word shirt to get yours today. As well as text us, you know, with each uh, episode that comes out each week, we make sure to send out a worksheet for you guys so you guys can be able to take it, learn it, apply it, and utilize it in the real world. That's why we do it. So make sure you text us so you can get in that text list so we can make sure we take care of you. So you're not just listening to the episodes, but you're applying and working with it as well. Um, on top of that, you know, we have some exclusive stuff we're trying to do for y'all, but we're not just going to release it out on like Instagram or anything. You've got to actually be in the know to get it. So the number again is 321-384-6275. Get in the know to be in the know. Yes, sir. Thank you, Paul. To our lovely listeners, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all for rocking with us. If this is your first time tuning into an episode, welcome to OTC. Um, please do us a favor. Leave a five-star review. Share out this episode if you got some value. We love hearing from you guys. You guys are part of the motivation behind us continuing to push the show and continuing to bring the amazing guests that we bring on, such as Miss G that we brought on today. So without further ado, guys, until next time, peace, many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.